Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show I'm Michaela and today we'll be taking a further look At some of the gas projects planned for Western Australia how these run counter to West Australia's recently announced climate targets and aspects of the community campaigns working to stop them. Later in the show, we'll hear more from Raylene Cooper, Modudunia woman and traditional custodian for the Murujuga, who I spoke to last week. And you can listen back to the podcast of that show on our webpage, 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. But first up, let's hear from Martin Pritchard from Environs Kimberley. Thank you so much, Martin, for joining us on the Radioactive Show. I was reading the media release that you just put out about the McGowan government's proposed new climate laws and particularly how those are looking in relation to the gas projects that are proposed for Western Australia. So they've set a target of net zero by 2050, but it looks like this is not achievable given the current projects that are proposed. Can you fill us in on the details? Yes, certainly. So what we've got in Western Australia is uh, the state government, the McGowan government, saying that uh, they will legislate for net zero carbon by 2050 and um, obviously you know that's going to be a very difficult um, target to achieve uh, particularly when at the moment you've got um, the proposed fracking in the Kimberley that would release billions of tons of carbon dioxide and methane if it went ahead and also you've got the Scarborough project that Woodside have as well as the proposed Browse Basin gas project. Again, there would be um, billions of tonnes of carbon dioxide and methane released if those projects went ahead. So it's very difficult to see how the state government uh, could get to net zero by 2050 if they allow these projects to go ahead. Yeah. Tell us a bit about those projects. What stage are they at? And how are the community campaigns trying to stop those looking? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so at the moment, we've got uh, a number of companies that are um, pushing to frack uh, the Kimberley. And, um, you know, as people know, the Kimberley's one of the last large intact natural areas in the world with, you know, the oldest living culture um, continuing to be practiced here by many Aboriginal nations. So what we've got primarily at the moment is a company called Black Mountain from Texas. And they want to open up the Canning Basin, uh, which is in the Fitzroy River uh, Valley. And their proposal at the moment is for 20 oil and gas fracking uh, exp- exploration wells. And they are talking about building a pipeline from near the Fitzroy River down to the Pilbara to export gas. So if that went ahead, uh, we've calculated um, with advice from um, uh, scientists in America that are working on 
um, and conventional gas that they'd need anything between 1,200 and 2,000 uh, oil and gas wells to get that happening. So that would, that would be a scenario of industrialising the Kimberley landscape. And obviously fracking has very high risk of earthquakes as well as using some very toxic chemicals that could get into the groundwater and surface water. So that's the major concern that we have at the moment uh, onshore, but there's also Woodside offshore. And, um, you know, they're looking at uh, potentially opening up the, the Browse Basin. Um, there are groups that are trying to stop the Scarborough project, which is a separate project at the moment, so including Greenpeace and the Conservation Council of Western Australia. So, yeah, we're facing mega gas projects here and unfortunately, the McGowan government is giving every sign that they support them. So, um, yeah, we're very concerned and have some very serious campaigns here that we need support with from across the country. Yeah, and thinking about those kind of projects, given the impacts that we're already experiencing of a changed climate, it's hard to imagine how they could operate safely even if it didn't have these huge contributions as far as greenhouse gases and impacts on the communities and culture. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, we've already had instances of uh, test frack wells here that have wastewater ponds associated with them um, overflowing uh, when we've had significant rainfall events. We've also had uh, in those wastewater ponds, uh, radioactive water from deep underground. So, you know, with what's just happened in the Fitzroy Valley in terms of the catastrophic floods that have left many people homeless and having lost everything, um, this is exactly what climate change uh, is predicted to bring. And that's much bigger rainfall events happening and what we know from the science is that for every one degree of warming uh, the air can hold seven percent more water and so you know we're facing a future where these kind of flooding events not just in the Kimberley of course we've seen them uh, in the eastern states uh, particularly in in New South Wales uh, Queensland and um, yeah the you know, the appropriateness of putting any kind of infrastructure where you have, you know, cyclonic events or uh, significant low-pressure systems sitting on uh, or above uh, the country for days, if not weeks on end, dumping huge amounts of water is just completely inappropriate. And I understand Woodside has a whole lot of sites where they've operated and have just left infrastructure that is threatening the local environment. So their track record of operating safely or with any care for people in the environment seems non-existent. Look, we, um, we find them a very unethical company. And um, you're completely correct that, you know, they've left infrastructure out in the ocean, um, tons and tons of it. And, um, you know, there's, there's significant problems with a lot of their operations um, that they, you know, things that they've done in the past. 
uh, particularly in the Kimberley around James Price Point. Um, but um, I guess, you know, the, the significant thing about what the McGowan government has also said is that if this target of net zero carbon is not met, then there won't be any consequences. And as everyone knows, when you have big multinational oil and gas companies and there's no consequences, well, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer that, you know, that they're not going to feel pressured or compelled to actually reduce emissions to, um, to net zero. So, um, so I guess, you know, we're, we're a little bit concerned that people might think that this is a, a really strong a position that the WA government's taken, but unfortunately, you know, unless they start by saying that there, there's going to be a ban on fracking in the Kimberley and these other mega gas projects by Woodside, for example, can't go ahead, then we're concerned that it's going to be pollution as usual and it's going to be up to other sectors of the West Australian economy to actually reduce emissions. And, you know, at the same time as these companies will be ramping them up, and we see that as particularly unfair as well. Even having a target that is so far into the future, that doesn't seem like it goes any way to address the situation that we're in now. That's right. I mean, they are talking about setting um, interim five-year targets. Um, but again, you know, without actually... Um, forcing companies to adhere to these targets, then they're effectively going to be aspirational targets that if they're not met, there's no consequences for companies. So um, unfortunately, uh, once again, uh, the state government's leaving it to the community to stand up for protecting the country, protecting you know our air and water and future generations. And, you know, we've just got to keep Uh, keep making sure that we're standing up shoulder to shoulder, pushing back against this. And, you know, we really need support from the East Coast in particular because there's so few of us here in the Kimberley. You know, there's only 40,000 people and the Kimberley's twice the size of Victoria. So, um, yeah, we we know there's there's people, um, you know, in Melbourne and Sydney um, and Brisbane and the bigger cities that really love the Kimberley. And, um, you know, once again, we're, we're calling on people for their support to, to be able to push back against particularly this fracking in the Kimberley that would be a disaster for us over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, like the huge amount of support that there's been for gas since Scott Morrison government during the COVID times hatched the plan for a a gas-led economic recovery, as they put it, and communities everywhere are are faced with so many of these projects on their doorstep as well. How are these various different groups working together to build the solidarity across the continent? Yeah, look, um, we're very fortunate in that we're working with um, national groups and in particular, we're working with Locks the Gate, who have a, a great track record of protecting communities all over Australia. And uh, what we're doing at the moment is 
uh, raising awareness, particularly in Perth, but also um, you know in other parts of Australia about this push to frack the Kimberley. Uh, we're also going to be working with Seed Mob, um, a very exciting group of young Aboriginal uh, protectors of country, um, and they're going to be they're going to be joining us. Um, over here shortly and calling out for support as well. So we've got some very good groups and, you know, we, we also need the, the wider community to get involved as well, to, you know, to activate and to make sure that both the state government in Western Australia and the federal government in Canberra um, hear from people that the Kimberley is way too precious to frack you know what we need is a frack free kimberley and um yeah we, we we know that there's a great love for the region here and um you know traditional owners are also calling out for support and there'll be a, a very uh, big uh, event in broome in august where uh, traditional owners are going to be walking in from the desert um, calling for the frack-free Kimberley, and also uh, there's going to be a huge concert here in Broome to um, celebrate country and for us to stand together against this um, this really toxic industry that's threatening country and threatening future generations. Yeah, well, that sounds brilliant. Um, so, yeah, what is the best way for people to um, keep up to date with everything that's happening and support the campaign? Yeah, look, um, one, of the, one of the really easy ways to help out and to know what's going on is by jumping on our website and signing up to either become a member or, um, or also the alternative is to just sign up as, um, to get regular email updates of what's happening here. And also, if there's locks gate groups in the region that people are in, then get involved there. You know, our plan is to head over to Melbourne and Sydney in the next few months to provide information and talk along with the traditional owners from the Kimberley about how people can get involved and how, how people can help protect the Kimberley. Yep, great. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all this information with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. That was Martin Pritchard from Environs Kimberley. And you can join the mailing list and stay up to date with their campaign by going to their website, environskimberley.org.au. We'll go now to a song by Theona Councillor, Nalaji Yangugu Yane. To all the different people From every distant land We sing We sing Yane Nganang Waladi
Nanang Minangkuro Nanang Malihira Nanang Wilangga You're tuned to the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. We just heard the owner counsellor with the song Nyalaji Yangugu Yane. And up next, we're going to hear Josie Alec from the Save Our Songlines campaign speaking at the United Nations in Geneva in July last year. I would like to pay respects to all Indigenous peoples here with special mention to my elders past and present back home in the Pilbara, especially my mothers and fathers. My name is Josie Alec and I'm a traditional custodian of the Mother Thunia people. I'm a custodian of the Seven Sisters Dreaming Story on our lands in the Pilbara, Western Australia. My intention today is to bring awareness of the destruction and desecration that industry is already and is in- intending to inflict on Murujuga and the sacred rock art. I use the word inflict as it best describes the way I feel about the impact of industry on the area. It is an attack on our culture, the plants, animals, water and air of Mura, Mother Earth. We are the custodians of the star, earth and water law. With this comes an obligation to protect, practice, preserve and respect its ancient history. In my culture, men and women have separate responsibilities, knowledge and cultural practices around sacred sites, to the extent that women and men do not even know details of each other's stories. Female participation in the heritage surveying and approval processes is vital to ensure the women's cultural sites are identified and recorded prior to approvals being considered. This is not happening at Murujuga and other sacred sites in Australia and resulted in approvals for massive industrial projects over significant women's sites. Our stories are not being heard, our voices silenced. The process allows the government and corporations to form unhealthy relationships with individuals in the traditional owner organisations to get the results they want. This completely invalidates the purpose of the heritage approvals process in Australia. The free prior and informed consent in the UN declaration is not being upheld, not on the Burrup and not anywhere in Western Australia. This is despite industry claiming that it is guided by the UN declaration in their own policies. As our cultural heritage safety is a fundamental human right, I would like to make a recommendation to the United Nations under the rights of Indigenous peoples to hold the governments of Australia and corporations to account and move forward on the World Heritage Listing in Murujuga so we can protect this globally significant cultural site 
for current and future generations. Thank you. That was Josie Alec, Morajuga traditional custodian, speaking at the United Nations in Geneva in July last year. And the Save Our Songlines had a massive year of campaigning with a great success getting an independent report, which is currently underway, looking at the impacts of industrial developments on the Burra Peninsula and how they're impacting Murujuga sacred sites. Importantly, the rock art, which is the oldest known rock carving site in the world, dated at around 60,000 years old. And the Save Our Songlines and Murujuga traditional custodians are being supported in their campaigns by lots of different grassroots groups. And in a mobilization that happened in November last year, some protesters from the Scarborough Gas Action Alliance blocked the Burrup Road in protest and three activists were arrested and their case was heard in the Western Australian Magistrates Court last week. Two of the activists uh, put forward the emergency defence, citing that that climate scientists were calling for urgent action on climate change and also the threats to the Morajuga rock art. But the magistrate found them guilty. They got a $100 fine and a 100 hours of community work. Police are following up, trying to put $33,000 worth in fines on the activists. So as we're seeing in all states in Australia, that the police are trying to impose heavy fines for activists to try and create a chilling effect But what is less talked about in the mainstream media is the intimidation of First Nations activists. And and we'll return to the conversation that I had uh, with Raylene Cooper, Mududunia woman and Murujuga custodian from last week. She spoke at the court hearing for the activists that we just mentioned. And we'll hear a bit more about the police intimidation that she's been experiencing. And then she'll share some information on how to get involved with the Save Our Songlines campaign. And I understand that at the same time as you're doing all this really important work, that you've also been experiencing intimidation from the police, that they conducted a raid on your home while you were giving evidence supporting climate activists in court last year. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I, I, I'd like, <laughs> I'm no withering flower and, um, you know, I haven't been the most awesome person on the planet. However, I'm, I'm a realist. realist. You know, you get to a certain age, do what it is you have to do. Um, and in saying that, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm more than, you know, more than happy to cooperate with police and authorities. However, when they're actually breaking and breaching their own rules, that's when your your eyebrow lifts up. And you go, okay, hang on a minute. It's not, you know, one rule for one people and another rule for another. It just doesn't work like that. However, you know, they seem to think that they could use that um, still whilst wearing their badge, um, and it's just not acceptable. It's unacceptable. And um, in saying that, look, they only came over last week um, asking questions about individuals that don't even live in my house. Um, Didn't leave a calling card, didn't leave anything. I called through to ask them, you know, what's going on with the situation and then to find them out 
um, driving around and following my um, my family around, sitting in the driveway for an hour. I mean, you know, what kind of stuff is that? You know, uh, that's, that's inappropriate. That's against the law, you know. Um, and if they, well, shoes were on their foot, this is actually a crime. Yeah. You know? And what's happening to our world and our planet is a crime. You know, we all should be here only for one thing, is to live for the future, you know. We only have one life, one planet. I mean, if they can't see that either, um, the authorities, because they're being told by individuals who sway in a big influence, um, you know, I'm not going to stop. You know, it's, you know, and this is not about me. It's uh, not about SOS. It's about the people we love and the people that, you know, we, um, when we leave this earth, these are the people that are going to be here. Um, my kids... Uh, my grandchildren and what they for, you know, and that's what I fight for. That's who I fight for. You know, your children, your grandchildren, your families. Yeah, you know, we're all connected. Yeah. You know, when you wake up, um, Michaela, in the morning and you know, jump off your bed, put your feet on the ground. First thing you're doing is, is putting your footprint on the ground. You're connecting. Um, you know, you're awake now, you're connecting to Mother Earth. And that's the energy that she gives you to continue your days. You know, when we're feeling down and out and we want to get out of the city, we go west, the country, somewhere where it's going to be at peace and you can clear your mind. And it's out in the wilderness or it's out the beach, you know. It's, it's somewhere where there's a special place for that person where they can, you know, fully commit to connecting and um, whether it's with ourselves and each other. Um, but every time we wake up in the morning, we put our feet on the ground. That's exactly what we do without even knowing it, you know? Mm. And um, everyone is a part of this, everybody. And for our listeners who want to get involved and support the work that you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Yep, if they can get on um, Save Our Songlines, so you just put it up on the web, it'll come straight up. Everyone seems to do it. And we also have a um, crowdfunders there and all the... All the information that you need is straight under it. Please, anyone who wants to support us in any way, um, look, we're very welcoming. And any need any more information, look, all the information that you need is all under there. Um, everything that we've done over the year. And look, we're hoping this year is going to be a big blast and a bit more. So, to the more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll stay in touch and keep people updated on what's happening. Yeah, beautiful. No worries. Look, thanks so much for your time, Michaela. And you take it easy too, doll. That brings us to the end of today's Radioactive show. Thanks so much to Martin Pritchard from Environs Kimberley, to Raylene Cooper, Murujuga Traditional Custodian, and to Josie Alec from Save Our Songlines campaign. The Radioactive show was produced in the studios of 3CR on unceded Kulin lands in Fitzroy, Victoria, and is broadcast across the continent Thanks to the Community Radio Network. The Radioactive Show is produced with the support of Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Nuclear Free Collective. You can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive or find us on your favourite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening and please join us again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. To all the different people
From every distant land We sing We sing Yane Nganang Waladi You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.